listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to talk to you about just one simple phrase, enough is enough. Enough is enough. In your faith, you got to get big enough at some point to declare, and I don't just mean regarding this kind of stuff. I mean every harassing force that's been sent against your life. You got to get big enough to declare enough is enough. And you got to learn how to draw a line in the sand and say, I refuse to put up with the devil's crap another day in my life. Enough is enough and take authority. You know, one thing I realized is that unless you learn, you you know, you can harness anger. You can harness anger. People teach like anger is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. God created anger. The Bible says you can be angry and sin not. So just being angry is not a sin. If it were a sin, Jesus would have been a sinner because there were times that he was angry. I mean, read about it in the scripture. There were times, like for example, when they were defiling his father's temple and the Bible says he was so angry that the money changers had set up tables to start selling sacrifices for more than they should have been selling them for to make money on the commands of God, that Jesus went outside and the Bible says, and he braided or fashioned his own whip. And the Bible says he came back into the temple, flipped their tables over, and started whipping and beating, clearing out the temple. Jesus was angry. If you think he wasn't angry, <laughs> you don't understand the story. You don't understand the story. I mean, that's a good story when he's like, I'm not just going to give you a beating. I'm going to give you a custom-made beating. This is something I fashion with my own hands. And so you can be angry and not sin. You can have a righteous indignation and declare enough is enough. I'm, I'm not taking any more of this. I'm not dealing with this another day. Because here's what happens. If you've never been taught forcible faith, that the violent take it by force. If you've never been taught forcible faith, then you will literally cruise through life just taking, quote unquote, whatever comes. You'll just take whatever is happening in life. You'll just say, well, you know, I guess that's just God's desire. I guess that's just his plan. I guess that's just how life goes. I guess, think, you know, you got to learn to roll with the punches. No, that's not how it works. You can take dominion and authority, and by violent faith, you can stand up and declare to the enemy of your soul, enough is enough. Take your hands off my life. Take your hands off of my body. Take your hands off my mind. Take your hands off my money. Take your hands off my children. Take your hands off my marriage. And what I've learned is that unless you get angry enough, irritated enough about something, you won't do anything to change it. That's a good, that's a good distinction. My uncle's saying that uh, it's they're not patrons of the church or you know not, not selling goods to them. So they're worshipers, voluntary, no goods being exchanged. Constitu constitutionally, if anybody's watching from Virginia, uh, that's that's a pastor of a church, or you, you go to a church in Virginia, let your pastor know that that it, you know it has nothing to do with goods being exchanged. You're not patrons, you're patrons, you're worshipers. Uh, nothing's being uh, purchased. You're voluntarily gathering together to worship the Lord, which is a constitutional right 
It's a constitutional right. And see, if you don't start to think like this, people just roll with the punches and just take whatever comes down the road. You've got to learn to stand in the power of the Holy Ghost and declare, I don't care what the devil is doing in the world. I don't care the attack or the harassment that comes against my life. I'm standing in the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get angry enough about it for something to change. I'm going to get angry enough about it for something to change. You know, that's why there has to be a stark contrast to make a change. For example, many people, if if you're somebody that really is a heavy sleeper, that's why when they create alarms, of course, it's changed all since now that we have uh, smartphones and stuff, and most people use their smartphone phone as their alarm in the morning. But, uh, you know, back when there were just straight up alarm clocks, that's why you had that extremely annoying sound. You know, when your alarm would go, eh, 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 why? It's a stark uh, sound that brings like an annoyance. It's a grating sound. It makes you want to jump up and slap the uh, snooze button. I know some people I've talked to that they're such heavy sleepers, they'll literally put their alarm across the room so that they actually have to get out of bed in a cold room in the morning to go turn it off. And now that they're finally out of bed, they're up. But you understand it has to be some kind of a stark contrast. Have you ever been drifting off to sleep before and there was like some kind of a rogue fly in your house and every time you were almost asleep, like that fly landed on your face? You know, in the first few times you just swatted it away, but like after four or five times you were like out of bed. And like, what, you're like you're, now you're, you're looking to end the fly's life, but you're not looking for a fly swatter. You're looking for a 12 gauge. It's like, I am done with this. If you don't get to the place where there's an annoyance, you won't ever change it. If you stay comfortable with it, if you accept it as what is yours, you'll never stand up to change it. And so people, that's why we preach and teach the word of God, because what it does is it sets a standard. It sets a watermark for what we're to expect and anything that doesn't measure up to what we can see as our blessings or covenant benefits in the word. If my life's not measuring up to what I see belongs to me, something's wrong. And I need to go find out why I don't have my benefits in my hands. Why? Like It'd be like if you went to work. Can you imagine going to work and working a full 40-hour work week and getting to the end or, end of the week and they give you your paycheck and you're supposed to be making, let's just make it easy, $1,000 take-home pay and you look at that check and it's like $320. I'm sure no one's going to just go home and say, well, you know, paychecks do fluctuate. No, you're going to go to human resources and knock on the door and say, hey, why is my paycheck $700 light? What's going on? I worked for I worked my full 40. I want my full paycheck. So when you know it belongs to you, you can forcefully ask for what's yours. That's why it's important that you know the truth because the truth you know will set you free. And you've got to get angry enough about what's going on in this world and what's actually happening to your family and to you. If the devil's trying to harass you, if he's tried to put his hands on your life, tried to touch you with sickness or disease, tried to touch your mind with depression or anxiety, suicidal thoughts, if he's tried to attack your marriage, if he's tried to mess with your finances, you've got to get big enough and irritated enough and say, this is not my story. I'm a child of God and I refuse to allow the devil to put his filthy hands on what belongs to me and that means what ultimately belongs to God. 
If you remember the other night when I was teaching on the power of the anointing oil, one of the things that I talked about was the fact that we anoint our home. If if I this home that I bought, the home that I bought in, in Virginia, the home that I had had here that was a rental, didn't matter. If I'm going to be living in it, it's going to be anointed. And if I own it, it belongs to God. I'm a steward of what belongs to God. And so it's his ultimately. And so what am I doing? I'm saying, God, because I'm in covenant with you, everything that's mine is yours. That's why it cracks me up, people that want to debate on whether or not they should tithe. They don't even have an understanding. Everything they have belongs to God. If you understand what covenant truly is, it's not 10% is his and 90 is yours. It's 100 is his. That's what covenant is. You go even through the, the Old Testament, when they would cut covenant, anything that's yours belongs to me and anything that's mine belongs to you. The better story about the covenant is everything I have is his, yes, but what the better half is everything that he has is mine and he has far more than what I have. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle on a thousand hills, the silver is his, the gold is his. Everything is his. That's the good news about covenant is that his hand is always the bigger hand. His possession is the bigger possession. His blessings, the bigger blessing. And if we'll live like that and say, God, everything that's mine's a hundred percent yours. He has no issue making whatever is his yours. That's what Matthew 6, 33 is all about. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. They'll be added to you. Why? Because you put him first. You honored him in the covenant first. And if you honor him first, he puts you first. If you honor him first, hallelujah, he will put you first. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, there's a few places I want to go with you tonight, but you need to see this with me, that uh, God doesn't play games when it comes to the covenant. He takes the covenant seriously takes it seriously. Let me read to you 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30. God takes his covenant seriously. Listen to this. Uh, this is 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Listen to this. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That's the uh, New Living. Or that's the ESV. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. He said, "Those who lightly, uh, those who uh, dishonor me, be lightly esteemed." That's the ESV. Listen to it here in the New Living Translation. This is a heavy scripture because people think they can just do whatever they want to do in the covenant and then expect the blessing of God to flow. It doesn't work like that. You have to honor him with your actions and with your seeds and with your words, and then he puts you first. But the Bible says when you lightly esteem him or when you dishonor him, you're lightly esteemed. Listen to this. Listen to the way the New Living Translation renders this. He said, I will honor those who honor me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. God's saying that. I will honor those who honor me, but I will despise those who think lightly of me. So understand that when we're dealing with the, the covenant we have with God, it's important to take this covenant seriously, daily, 
on a day, not just Sunday morning, not just Wednesday night, on a daily basis, we put the covenant first. And that means that if I'm in covenant, I should uphold what the covenant promises me. And so one of the things that the covenant promises you is healing. One of the things it promises you is deliverance. One of the things it promises you is joy and peace. One of the things it promises you is financial prosperity and divine provision without question. And so I want you to hear me that we have to, as believers, uphold these rights and benefits in the same way that you'd go into the human resources department and demand to know where your the rest of your paycheck is. That's how you have to live in the kingdom of God. You have to say enough is enough. I didn't uh, join myself to Christ in covenant by faith so that I could go through the rest of my life with my life looking like that of an unbeliever and having the same results in my life as an unbeliever. What's the point of just of serving the Lord? He's not just fire insurance so that you miss out on hell. That's not what just what your covenant is. Thank God that it is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But he doesn't want you to wait till you get to heaven to experience the power of eternal life. He said, you can experience it here and now on the earth. Here and now. If you're watching this, I want you to put in all caps in the comments, here and now. I should be able to experience the blessings of heaven here and now. Three words, here and now. That's the key. That's the key. I want to experience it here and now. And so that means you've got to get strong in faith. That means you've got to get that enough is enough mentality. Enough is enough mentality. I refuse to just coast through life hoping everything goes well. I refuse to just coast through life thinking, well, you know, that's how life is that throws you punches. You got to learn to roll. No, I'm determining enough is enough here. And now I will hold my blessings in my hand in Jesus name by the power of the Holy ghost here and now here and now. And so I want to show you this because even in the old Testament, the Lord uh, made this distinction to his children. He wanted them to walk into their promised land and he wanted them to be fully committed to him, fully committed to him. And so I want you to go with me to the book of Joshua chapter 13. This is always an interesting uh, uh, passage to me. Joshua chapter 13. That's it. Here and now. That's it. Keep writing it. Here and now. Look at this. Joshua chapter 13. And let's read. Um, I'm going to read you verse 13, but this is what God had said to them. He said to them. Well, you know what? Let me just read you the verse. Joshua 13, 13. Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Maccathites, but Geshur and Mekath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. So notice this, God didn't drive those tribes out. God was expecting them to drive those tribes out. He spoke to him and said, when I give you the land, you drive the tribes out. That's why that when, when for example, when they were getting ready to go into the uh, promised land, and when they sent in 12 spies, 
And when 10 of them came back, they came back with an evil report. The evil, the reason the report is, is not faith-filled and that it's evil is because God had already given them the promised land. He was not going to give them the promised land. He had already given them the promised land. He had already told them to go and take it. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that came back with a report of faith and said, we are well able to take the land. But here's the question. If God had already given it to them, why were there still giants in the land? Why didn't God drive them out? God expected his people by faith to drive them out. God expected his people by faith to drive them out. And that's why Joshua and Caleb, who came back with a message of faith, were well able to take it. We're well able to take the land. They're bread. You know what they said? They are bread to us. They are bread to us. We'll eat them up. They, they, he said their help is taken from them. And so the bottom line is this. They had the full power and authority to go into the promised land and to drive the giants out of it and to take what God said was theirs, that he had already transferred to them in ownership. So do you see that? And, and, and one of the interesting things, and I preached about this when I was in uh, uh, with my friend, Pastor Cody Spencer, uh, up in New York at the Uproar Conference, one of the things that I preached about is that God spoke to them when they went into the promised land. You know what he said? When you get in the promised land amongst the pagans and others that don't worship me, he said, burn down their uh, Asherah poles, their altars, their temples. And he said, do not intermarry with them. Don't let your children marry their, their women, their, 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 uh, their men. Stay separated from them. Stay separated from them and burn down their altars, their temples, and their religion. He said, make sure you stay separated. And the children of Israel did not obey the words of the Lord. And you know what the Bible says in the book of Joshua? It says, and another generation rose up that did not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want you to stop for a minute and think about that. Think about that. God gave them an instruction to protect them. And said, when you get in there, don't intermarry with pagans. Make sure you drive their false religion out of the nation, out of the land. Burn down the statues. Burn down the uh, temples, the altars. Make sure you tear it all down and don't intermarry. And they did none of those things. They just let them do their thing and then intermarried with them. And the Bible says it did not take 20 years. It didn't take 20 generations rather. But the Bible says, and the next generation rose up that did not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Didn't say they didn't uh, uh, serve him, said they didn't even know him. Think about that. Didn't say they didn't serve him, said they did not know him. And so I want you to catch this with me, that when you step out to obey the Lord, you have to declare enough is enough. No giant will remain in my promised land in Jesus' name. No giant will remain in my promised land. The devil obviously doesn't want you walking in the blessings and the promises of God. Doesn't want you walking in the blessings and the promises of God. Doesn't want you saved without a question. Does you think the devil wants you to be serving the Lord? Do you think the devil wants you to be obeying God's word and living holy and righteous lives? Of course he doesn't. Of course. So what's he going to do? He's going to try to tempt you. He's the tempter. 
He'll bring temptation to you. He'll try to tempt your flesh as he did to Christ. He'll try to pull you back into a life of unrighteousness, try to pull you back into a life of unholiness. And he'll try to put those things in front of you to pull you out of your covenant with God. But no giant will remain in my promised land in Jesus' name. Do you think that the devil wants you living in healing and health and strength? Do you think that he wants you to take advantage of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you so that you could live free from sickness and disease? Of course he doesn't. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to destroy your physical body. Wants to destroy your physical body. Wants to put sickness and disease on you. Wants to put cancer cells on you. He wants to see you suffer with coronavirus or anything else sweeping through the world. Of course he wants to destroy your body. And of course he wants to try to make you sick and diseased. But you got to declare by the faith of God that's in you, no giant will remain in my promised land in Jesus' name. No giant will remain in my promised land in Jesus' name. Let me, let me show you a scripture because we're talking about driving giants out and saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. Let me, let me read you a verse of scripture and you tell me. Because to me, it blows my mind. Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is dealing with his own disciples, his apostles. Listen to this. Uh, I'm going to start reading with verse number five. And these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look at verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, now give without pay. And so let me ask you a question. If, you're, if you know your English, when Jesus said, heal the sick, if Jesus were to look at you and say, heal the sick, what is the understood subject of that sentence? What is the understood subject of that sentence? The understood subject is you. You heal the sick. You cast out devils. You raise the dead. You cleanse the leper. Freely you have received. Freely you give. He had already given them power. He'd already breathed upon them. He'd already made them his disciples, called them out, empowered them to do the work. He wasn't saying, now wait, just, just go there and preach, but then wait on me to come and I'll do the healing and I'll do the deliverance. No, he said, I'm authorizing you. I'm authorizing you. The understood subject of the sentence Verse eight, you heal the sick, you cast out devils, you raise the dead, you cleanse the leper freely. You have received freely. You give. And so what's he saying? I'm empowering you to do those works. And they did those works without question. You can see through the gospels and the, and the book of acts and also through the epistles that they did those works and were extremely effective in the early church to the point that it exploded across the world in a time of extreme persecution and kept on growing as signs and wonders and miracles continued. And Jesus was gone, but who showed up? The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They were driving giants out of the promised land. 
healing the sick, cleansing the leper, raising the dead. See that? So I want you to understand this. There is a power that's been deposited in the believer. No, Archer, what I'm telling you is you can go to New York hospitals. You understand that? People always go to this. Well, you know, we're just going to believe that all the pastors and all the evangelists and all the, what I'm telling you is every believer that carries the power of the Holy Ghost has the ability to say enough is enough. So Arthur, I'm telling you to go. I'm telling you to get off your couch and go to them and see God do it through your life. Freely, you have received. Freely, you give. That's the whole bottom line. Enough is enough. I'm not going to allow it to happen. You know, you might be the first person in your whole family. You know, think about that. You might be the first person in your whole family that ever served the Lord. You may not come from a a family that's like, you know, six generations deep that grew up in church and all that. I mean, you know, literally, you you might be a first generation Christian and and you've got to stand up for, for that. Uh, yourself in your generation. You might come from a family where uh, cancer ran through your family. Maybe you you came from a family where diabetes ran through your family. Everybody had it. Mom had it. Grandma had it. Great-grandma had it. Father had it. Everybody. You've got to be the one that stands up and declares, enough is enough. I refuse to let that be the truth in me and those after me. I will not deal with the same things that those before me dealt with. I will not receive the same things that those before me received. Cancer may have run through my family before I was saved, but it stops at me and my generation in Jesus' name. It won't come upon me, and it won't come upon my children, and it won't come upon my grandchildren, because now that I am in Christ, a new family tree has begun, a new bloodline under the blessing of God and the power of his word, and I'm declaring enough is enough in Jesus' name. Enough is is enough. (laughs) And so you need to understand it. That is a power you carry. Every person that's watching this broadcast, every person that's watching this, you are anointed to drive giants out of the promised land. You can't, well, you know, see, because here's what happens. People allow them, their lives to align with culture. That's a huge mistake. Huge mistake. You know, well, this is going on in the world right now. So that means that that's what I'm going to deal with. No, that's not how you think of things. Well, you know, this this is going on in the world. So I guess I'm going to feel the effects of it. That's how an unbeliever thinks. That's how somebody that does not have faith in the mighty word of God thinks. We don't think like that. I'm trying to, and I know there's others that are doing the same, but I'm trying to re- create a new mindset in a new generation. We don't think like that. That's that's what this whole thing, even with this the 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 coronavirus pandemic that you know they're saying sweeping through the whole world and all this stuff and you know and all the, all that's going on. That's why I don't I'm not adjusting myself because of that. When my when stuff was open and they were saying don't go out, I was still going to the gym. I'm still I've been going out every day. I've been still going. I don't wear a mask. I don't wear gloves. That's what I'm preaching to you. 
is, is that I don't think like the world thinks and neither should you. So, well, this is going on in the world. I guess I'm going to feel the effects of it. If that's the kind of faith you have, you will. But you've got to put your faith in God's word above all else. It always blows my mind. See, even, even Arthur's talking like that. I don't want to get the virus. Why should I, why I should go? It's like, there's so many Christians and I know Arthur, he's come to meetings that we've had and meetings that my father's had and he's believing, he's believing for a miracle himself. Arthur's blind. He's believing for God to open his eyes. But I want, I want you to hear this because even he's talking like that right now. You know, I don't want to get the virus. See, you have to go beyond saying, I don't want to get the virus and build your faith in the covenant to understand I can't get the virus. I can't get it. I can't get it. You won't hear the story of me getting it because I won't get it because I can't get it. What's in me is more powerful than what's in it or any other thing. It's That's exactly right. Pastor Bill Motley said, it's time to be extreme. It is time to be extreme. It's time to have extreme faith and declare this word is higher than what's going on in the world. This word is higher than what's going on in the world. We can't allow our mindset to be, well, something's happening in the world. I guess I'll feel the effects of it. No, we as faith-filled believers don't think like that. We think like this. Oh, there might be something going on in the world, but it will not touch me in Jesus' name. That's what we think like. And that, by the way, is based on Old Testament scripture, Psalm 91. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but these things will not touch me. So notice, even in the Old Covenant, you know what their expectation was? Yeah, it's going on in the world. It's sweeping through the world. However, however, these things will not touch me in Jesus' name. This is how we think as faith-filled believers. This is how we believe. We don't sit around and say, well, you know, things are going south. Uh, I just guess that we just better batten down the hatches and get ready for get ready for a time of where, you know, people, and then they get all, they think they're all spiritual because they get a little vibrato in their voice. But let me tell you something. You've got to get bigger than what's going on in the atmosphere. You got to get bigger than what's going on in the culture, bigger than what the, than what's going on in the government, bigger than what's going on in corporations, bigger than what's going on in the economy. You have to get bigger than all that and declare my life is not determined by a government. My life is not determined by a disease. My life is not determined by an economy. My life is not determined by corporations. My life is not determined by men and women with an antichrist agenda at the heart of their actions. My life is defined by the faith that I have in the mighty word of God. That's what defines my life. So others, if others want to define their life, based on governments and economies and diseases and antichrist uh, globalist men and women. And if you want your life to be defined by that and whatever they do is going to become your story, then you can live at that lower level. But I refuse to live at a lower level and you should refuse too. You should say enough is enough. And I refuse to let wicked things dominate my life or even define my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so it doesn't matter. It literally does not matter what's sweeping through your nation or sweeping down the road. I mean, it all, it makes me laugh. 
I go back and look at these uh, these guys from the past, and I, I look at just it, it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh how how extremely bold to the point of you know spiritually arrogant that they were. I remember there was a story in from Nigeria about a preacher, a preacher there, a very well-known preacher. This was years ago, decades ago. And in, in, the, in Benin City, where he was, there was a, a witch who was getting ready to host a conference of witches and wizards in Benin City in Nigeria. And they announced it on national television uh, at night. Well, the preacher got on television after the, the guy that was the host and said, you know, because what it, basically what they were doing was all of the witches and all of the wizards were going to come to Benin City and have a conference and hold it there, you know, their little wicked conference. And the preacher got on television and he said, you know, this flies in Nigeria. I don't think it would fly in the United States. He said, uh, I'm announcing that there will be no meeting of witches. There will be no conference of witches. He got up and said it on his own broadcast. Well, then later the guy gets back up again. Yes, there will be a conference. They're all coming. This is going to be a nationwide conference of witches, whatever. And so there was a guy, from what I understand, there was a man that had a a news program that just invited them both on the broadcast, uh, the news broadcast, so that they could settle the issue. And uh, so the guy who the moderator said, so now, sir, you're saying, speaking to the witch, now, sir, you're saying that there will be a meeting of witches, that they will all be coming here to Benin City. You will be having a conference. Yes. Yes, that's right. There will be it. There will be a meeting. Everyone's coming. We will be having all the witches and wizards uh, from. So anyway, he says that. So then the man turns to the preacher and says, and you're saying that there, there will not be a, a conference. He said, there are, there are no witches. This is, this is what the man of God said. He said, there are no witches. He said, even, he said, they're not coming. He said this, even this man sitting here uh, on the couch with us, he's not even a witch, truly. And the man said, oh yeah. He said, no. He said, because the Bible says, suffer not a witch to live. And he reached behind and pulled out a machete. And he said, if you are a witch, tell me so that I can kill you here and now. And the man said, I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. (laughs) But do you know what happened? There was no meeting of the witches. There was no meeting of the wizards. He just declared that same, that same man, that same preacher, when the government tried to put a shut, and of course at the government at that time was extremely, it was a, basically a Muslim government in the late eighties, obviously early nineties, Muslim government, seventies. And, um, you know, a lot of the tides have turned in Nigeria from what it used to be, but uh, there was a time where the government was basically saying, uh, putting a curfew on the nation and saying there will be no gatherings after this time and, and gave a time. It was like after six o'clock or seven o'clock. There will be no gatherings after 7 p.m. Everyone must be back in their home, you know, trying to put a, trying to stifle the, the move of God, you know. Everyone has to be back in their home. No one is allowed to be gathering after 7 p.m. Well, after the announcement, he gets on television and announces, we will be having revival and all of the revival gatherings and meetings will begin at 7 p.m. each night. Just like a total in the face of an antichrist spirit. Why? You think you have to just sit back and take what comes based on who said it or, you know, what? No, 
you stand up and declare enough is enough in Jesus' mighty name. Enough is enough in Jesus' mighty name. And get strong about it and declare that it does not matter what's trying to harass your family or to harass your body or to harass your mind. You've got to declare enough is enough. Let me, let me show you something. Let me show you how Jesus, how wild that Jesus got about this. Mark chapter five. Archer, just be quiet and pay attention to the broadcast. Start Instead of trying to have your own little conversation in the broadcast. You're the one that needs a miracle, Arthur. So just be quiet and actually listen to the broadcast or get off and go play, you know, do a crossword puzzle or something, but just be quiet. Half the reason people never receive a miracle is because they're too proud to just be quiet and listen to teaching. So shut your mouth, stop commenting and just listen to the teaching of the word and let your faith be built and receive a miracle. Instead of talking about traveling around the, the nation, visiting hospitals, just be quiet and listen to preaching and teaching. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark chapter five. Uh, Jesus comes across the sea and finds a demon possessed man. And of course, we know that this was uh, legion. And the Bible says this, look at this. Uh, verse one, the Bible says, and they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. And he lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been bound with shackles and chains and he wrenched the chains apart, broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. No one. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, there's no reason to forgive me, just be quiet. When he saw Jesus from afar, listen to this, he ran and fell down before him. I want you to see this. Legion was the most powerful supernatural force in that region. Nobody could subdue him. Nobody could subdue him until Jesus stepped on the shores. Until Jesus stepped on the shores. Then what happened? The demons in the man felt the power of Christ. Felt the power. And didn't have to get right up on him to feel it. Bible says, and when he saw him from afar, when he saw him from afar, he ran towards him, fell down before him. And cried out with a loud voice and said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Do you recognize this? The demons inside that man recognized that Jesus carried a power to torment them. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink in. The demons. And we said, you know, and he said, what is your name? And he said, uh, he said, legion for we are many. Uh, historians tell us that it was most likely a reference to a Roman legion of soldiers, which consisted of anywhere between four to 6,000 men. So let's just say on the low end, there may have been 4,000 demons inside one man's body, 4,000 demons. So call it an army of demons, a battalion, if you want to, of demons. 
that were inside that man's body, they all ran and fell down low before Jesus and began to beg him, please do not harass us before our time. Don't torment us. You know what that means? Jesus carried the power to torment the devil. And the same power that's in him, that's in him is in you, which means you have power to torment the devil. I want you to write it in the comments. I have power to torment the devil. I have power to torment the devil. Write it in the comments section. I have power to torment the devil. That's exactly it. And he said, please do not torment me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have power to torment the devil. You have power to torment the devil. We're not on the defensive. We're on the offensive. I'm looking for a fight. You're looking for a fight. I'm on the offense. Let me tell you something. God would not have given you a, a sword if all he wanted you to do was protect yourself from the attacks of the devil. Well, you know, we have armor and we have a shield. God would have stopped there with the armor of God and the shield of faith. If all you were to do is to just block the attacks of the enemy, but that's not all he gave you. He gave you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you are anointed to torment the devil. You're anointed. If my Uncle Terry's still on, one time we, we, uh, I was with him, we took a trip to Europe. And uh, see, demons, when you carry the authority and power of God in covenant, demons can't handle being around you. They can't handle it. They Just like this demon couldn't handle being around Jesus, demon-possessed people can't take it. And we were in Paris, France, just walking down the street, just walking. We weren't preaching. He wasn't teaching. We weren't doing, no, just walking, just walking. And all of a sudden, a demon-possessed man jumps up out of a cafe and starts yelling and runs through the cafe, knocking people's stuff off of their tables and glasses and stuff and takes off running away from us down the street. That's not normal. But demons cannot hang around people that are carrying the power of God. They can't handle it. It torments them. It torments them. I was in... Uh, Yes, he did, finally. Um, I was in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, just sitting in my truck on the side of the road while my wife and you know Pastor Brian Tomes and his wife, they went into a coffee shop to get us coffee. I was in a temporary parking space. And here comes, and I'm talking about a demon-possessed woman, comes walking down the street full of the devil. She's crying out to the sky, screaming out, tearing at herself, literally tearing at herself. And uh, she's walking down the street and, and I promise you, I promise you, I was like, you know what? I'm going to show, uh, you know, just to, just to practice the presence of God. I was like, I'm going to show how powerful I'm not going to roll down my window. I'm not going to speak directly to the woman. I, she won't even hear what I say. But when she comes, she was coming right up the sidewalk to where my truck was going to be. And I said, when she comes parallel to this truck, I'm going to rebuke that demon and torment it. And uh, she came right up. And she's howling, crying out. And when she came parallel uh, to the to my driver's window, I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. And when I, I commanded that thing, she fell. I took a video of it on my phone. She fell onto the sidewalk and started writhing around, literally 
peed her pants. I'm not, I'm not joking. Jumps up off the ground, freaking out, howling at the sky and ran full blast down the street. And I watched her run into, I watched her run into like a bank. It was a bank branch. It was like 20 seconds later, three big men, she peed herself. Three big men are carrying her out. I said, get out. And I, and I don't have to roll the window down. I didn't have to point at her. I didn't have to scream at her. I didn't have to go into speed tongues. You can torment the devil. You can torment the devil by the power of God. Torment the devil. One time my, my father was just eating in a restaurant up in, New, um, where was it? Um, New Hampshire. I think it was New Hampshire. And he's sitting there and it's a... <laughs> My uncle, that's Brian, Pastor Brian's mom. Yeah, he's sitting there. <laughs> he's sitting there, and there's an older couple across the table at another table, sitting there with their son, who's like 35, 40 years old. And uh, while he's sitting there. Power God, and of course, my dad's had the funniest things take place in restaurants. But he's just over there, and the and that that guy full of the devil starts to get extremely uncomfortable and starts freaking out and flips the table and screams and runs out of the restaurant. As he's running out, they hadn't seen the back of him, but he had a huge, uh, not just pentagrams, but a huge black bat tattooed on the back of his neck. My dad said, turned to Donnie that travels with him and said, see that as a definition of a bat out of hell. And literally the devil is tormented when you're around. He's tormented when you're around. You've got to have that kind of a mindset. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. What? To do what? Torment the devil torment the devil. I'm anointed to torment the devil. You know what the Bible says? First John chapter three and verse eight, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, destroy the works of the devil. That's what you're called to do. Destroy the works of the devil. Enough is enough. That's what you got to declare. Enough is enough. Go with me quickly to Acts chapter 16 before I pray for you. Acts chapter 16, it wasn't just Jesus that would get upset, righteous indignation, and rebuke the devil. Not just Jesus, but also the apostles and the believers. Look at this. Acts chapter 16, the Bible says, as we, verse, this is Acts 16, 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God. I can almost hear her like she's got like the smoker voice from like 30 years of smoking. These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, I love this translation. And Paul, 
who became greatly annoyed. <laughs> That's the key. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. It came out that very... These men are men of God. So that's how I picture that every time I read that. <laughs> Bringing to you the way of salvation. Um, and Paul, I love that phrase, becoming greatly annoyed. Greatly annoyed. Some of us, it's time to get annoyed. I'm just being honest with you. You need to get annoyed. There's too many people satisfied to live in the mess that the devil is throwing at them. And you need to get greatly annoyed. Just like Paul was, just like Jesus was, just like many, the Peter, get greatly annoyed and allow yourself to be used by the power of God to drive giants out of your family, giants out of your life, giants out of your house, off your finances, off your mind. Don't sit around and say, well, you know, we just got to learn that these, you know, there's, it blows my mind that the, the prayers that people pray, I've heard some of the most powerless prayers that's like, you, why are, you might as well not even pray. What are you praying for then? What are you praying about? It, it's like, it's just ridiculous. Like, you know, well, Father, we know so-and-so is going through this problem even now, God. And we just ask you even now, Lord, to just give them peace through the time. And you can even hear like when they pray, they've got, they, they don't even have like any authority in their voice. It's just like, Father God, we ask you now. We know that James is dealing with this in his body. But we ask you even now, oh Lord God, to just give him peace as he goes through it. Be with him, Lord. That's not the Bible. That's ridiculous. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. Read Acts 10.38. The Bible says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and doing what? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Not when they were oppressed of the devil, he showed up and cuddled them up and let them rub, you know, rub their face up into his beard and just held them tightly, put, you know, put on a nice song for nighttime and got a little nightlight on and just, that's not what Jesus did. You know, when the, when they, when they were in the boat with the storm, you know, Eurachlodon, they were getting ready to, even the fishermen said, we're about to die. We've been on the sea a lot in our lives, but this is a bad one. We're out. We're, we're about to die. Wake Jesus up. Wake him up because we're, we're, they were freaked out, ready to die. Well, guess what? Jesus got up off a pillow and first of all, asked them, where in the world is your faith? Meaning you should have handled this. You shouldn't have woke me up off a pillow. You should have handled this. Harass the devil. And then what did Jesus do? He didn't gather them all up in a big group hug and say, well, you know, it is the storms of life, guys. Hey, gang. Storms of life, gang. Let's just cuddle up. You know, things get hard from time to time. Things get hard. Come on, hug tighter, guys. Hug tighter, body heat, get the warmth. No, just as we go through this, let me be your peace in the storm. That's not what he did. He stood up and rebuked the wind and it stopped and the waves subsided. And then he rebuked his disciples for not doing it themselves. 
He's not just, don't tell me that the only reason that we have the power of the Holy Ghost is so that when we go through problems like everybody else, he'll, he's our peace in the storm. No, it's that we can carry the power of the Holy Ghost to rebuke the storms of life, to torment the devil, to harass the devil, and to destroy the works of the devil. Enough is enough in Jesus' name. Enough is enough. Get some spiritual fortitude and understand I'm not like everybody else. I'm not like, I'm not supposed to look like everybody else. I don't act like everybody else and I don't have what they have. I don't have what they have. You don't have what they have. You've got something else, something greater. Get greatly annoyed and walk in a greater anointing. Get greatly annoyed and walk in a greater anointing. Get greatly annoyed and walk in a greater anointing. Amen. Somebody pop it in the comments. Enough is enough. That's it. I'm done with it. Get, get to that place in your spirit. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm gonna, I don't care what it takes. I'll fast and pray. I'll pray in tongues. I'll anoint myself with oil. I don't care what it takes. I'm getting my miracle in Jesus' name. I'm not walking through life with this little harassing spirit trying to come around and put that thing on me and touch my kids and touch me and my body and my mind and my money. It's not happening in Jesus' name. I'm anointed to smack the devil around and so are you. Torment him by the power of the Holy Ghost. Do what Jesus did. The works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. Let me ask you a question for all of you hermeneutical scholars out there. Did Jesus torment the devil? Yes, he did. I just read it to you in Mark chapter five. Please don't harass us. Don't torment us before our time. That means it was a work Jesus did. And if he could do it, you're anointed to do it. The same Christ that was on the earth is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same Holy Spirit that filled him is the same Holy Spirit that fills you. That's the same life-giving power of heaven that lives on the inside of your body. And you shouldn't look at yourself as natural anymore. You're not natural. I'm not like them. You're not like them. Don't point, don't point at culture. Say, well, you know, brother, we're all the same. That's why I can't stand listening to some of these preachers that don't even understand how to properly divide the word of truth. So you got nut jobs that stand in the pulpit and say, well, brother, we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. No, we're not. Bible doesn't teach that we're all sinners saved by grace. It teaches that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, that the old is completely gone and a brand new life has begun. What do you think? Jesus came at salvation, just like duct taped up your spirit where it was all broken and hurting. Well, I got supernatural duct tape, but underneath that, brother, we're all just sinners saved by grace. That's not what you are. You used to be a sinner, but now you're a new creature. So I'm not that anymore, and neither are you. Stop acting like you're just like everybody else. You're not like them. You're not like them. If you want to know the truth about it, if you want to truly get into scripture about it, you are more because you're a supernatural heavenly being, you're more alien than you are human. If you want to know the truth about it, I could break a whole broadcast down and talk about the fact that you're not any longer just merely human. You are actually superhuman. Paul actually went to teach that to the church in Corinth because he was annoyed at them because they were not becoming as mature as they should have been after salvation. 
And so look, look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at the wording. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this. I'll read you verses 1 and 2. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Verse 2. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready. Look at verse 3. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? Why would he say that? Why would he say, are you, aren't you just behaving in just only a human way? What's he trying to teach them? You're not merely human anymore. You're superhuman by the power of the Holy Ghost. You're different. You're different. There is no human that can just lay their hands on the sick. And by the touch of, of touching someone and saying words, expect that person to get better from sickness and disease. There is no human being that can do that. There is none. There is no human being that can speak to unseen beings in an unseen realm and command them to leave and they have to listen. There is no human being that can do that. You hear what I'm saying? You're a superhuman being because you're attached to the power of the Holy Ghost and you've become one with him. If I've become one with him, then I am him. I've been trying to teach you that for the last two weeks. If I've become one with Christ, I am Christ. That's why when I, and I keep using this analogy so that you'll catch this. If I'm the body of Christ and he's the head and I'm the body and all of us are members of the body in particular, when I introduce myself to you, I don't say, hey, nice to meet you. My, my head's name is Ted. My body is, uh, you know, Jimmy. My arms are Chad and, and Gil. <laughs> my legs, I don't know where Gil came from. Whose name is Gil? <laughs> you know, I don't do that. I don't break down every part of my body and as, you know, hey, and my fingers, nice to meet you. Jimmy, Terry, Danny, Ricky, Tommy. No, we're, we are all one in Christ. Christ. If, if you're in Christ, you are Christ. If you're part of his body, you are him. <laughs> Catch it. If you're part of his body, you are him. And if you are him, then you carry his power. And if you carry his power, you're not merely human anymore. You're superhuman by the power of Christ. And have superhuman abilities, just like Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You have every gift, every gift, as you wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You come behind in no gift, no spiritual endowment. You're filled with the gifts of the power of the Holy Ghost. Think about that. We're superhuman by the power of God. I'm not like them. You're not like them. So stop expecting to live like them. Well, you know, the economy's kind of taking a hit right now. I don't care. We're not on the world's economy. We're not on the world's economy. We've never been. The Old Testament, the, the, the people of God weren't. The New Testament church wasn't. We're not. We're not on that, not on this world system. Let me ask you a question. Just, just to give you something to think about. Here's just 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 put this in your spirit. Put this in your spiritual pipe and smoke it. <laughs> think about it. If the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are the ambassadors of Christ, okay? We are the ambassadors of Christ. If, if America sends an ambassador to go and set up 
an embassy in, for example, Venezuela, or, you know, think of any country that you can that has a poor economy right now, Greece, go to Greece. If America has an embassy in Greece and we have an ambassador to Greece, let me ask you a question. Is the ambassador that's sent to Greece, is, does he have to struggle financially because Greece's economy is struggling? Or is the welfare and the well-being of the American ambassador based upon what's going on in America? Think about that. I'm going to say it again in case you missed it. If America sends an ambassador to Greece, is his economic welfare governed by how crappy of a system they've got going on right now? And because they're struggling and they're having issues and are basically on the verge of total governmental bankruptcy, does that affect the economic well-being of our ambassador? Or is his well-being and welfare economically based on and dependent upon America's government and America's economy? Of course it is. Because he's not Greek, he's American. And he's representing America. So it doesn't matter that that's where he is. His resources come from the United States. They don't come from Greece. And so in the same way, think about this, we are now ambassadors of Christ. Our true home is heaven, but we're just here in a foreign land until we go back to where we're from, which is heaven. So if that's the case, am I... Is my resource based upon, is my economic welfare and well-being based on what the NASDAQ does or the Dow Jones does or the economy or the Fed? You think that's where our provision comes from? No, we're ambassadors. I'm not of this world. So the world itself, the world's, uh, uh, what's going on in the world's governmental systems or economic systems has no bearing whatsoever on the ambassadors of heaven. For the ambassadors of heaven operate in heaven's economy. And so I operate in heaven's economy and so do you. And so you should never say, well, you know, just prepare to take a hit because, you know, that's what's going on. No, don't prepare to take a hit. Stop saying prepare to take a hit and prepare to increase. That's what I've been preaching to you since the middle of last year. Prepare to increase. Violent increase is yours in 2020. Expedited favor is yours in 2020. Whether 2019 was your best year or your worst year, get ready to hear this. 2020 is going to be a year of violent increase and expedited favor in the mighty name of Jesus. So you don't ever pull back off your covenant and you don't ever stop expecting what God said is yours. You say, listen, I don't care what is happening around me enough is enough. Maybe you're the first generation in your whole family to ever have extra. Maybe everybody that went before you was paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. Everybody that went before you was under mounds of credit card debt and mounds of student loan debt and all this other stuff, and they never financially had extra. That's over in Jesus' name. For you will be different. Now that you're in Christ, you will be different. As you honor the covenant, as you're faithful to the word, your life will look different in Jesus' name. 2020 is a year of violent increase and expedited favor. And anything that opposes your increase and anything that opposes your healing, your deliverance, your peace, your joy, your, your, your literally your peaceful marriage, your peaceful relationship with your children, 
anything that opposes that is rebuked by the power of God. It's not going to be your story. It's got to loose its grip and let you go in Jesus' name. Has to loose its grip and let you go in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for every person watching tonight and even those that will listen to this later on the podcast. That's right. That's exactly right, Troy. You've got the revelation. He said, if I'm an ambassador, shouldn't I get the same health benefits as my country's health care system? Yes. Yes. Heaven's health care system. Heaven's economy. That's exactly it. That's the revelation you run with, knowing it's already yours because of Christ Jesus. And so let me pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every person watching tonight. Let us get greatly annoyed at what's going on in the world. Let us become greatly annoyed at every enemy that tries to attack our families, attack our bodies, our minds, our finances, and rise up with a boldness in the Holy Ghost that declares enough is enough in Jesus' name. I refuse, I refuse to have my life look like the life of of someone who doesn't have a redeemer. I refuse to let that be my story in Jesus' mighty name. And from this night forward, I declare I am removing giants from this land. I'm removing giants from my family. I'm removing giants from my body, my mind. I will no longer be a victim of a harassing spirit that tries to come against my family and life. From this night forward, Lord, I lose healing virtue to every man, every woman. I lose peace and joy in Jesus' mighty name. Father, if there's issues with their relationships, marriage or children, I pray that you'd heal them and bring peace to their family and bring unity once again to their family in Jesus' name. I thank you and I give you glory and praise for what you're doing. You're the only one that gets the praise. You're the only one that can do these things in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and give you glory. If you believe it, somebody type a big amen in the comments, throw some emoji hands up, and let God know that you're ready to receive yours in Jesus' mighty name. You're ready to receive yours in Jesus' mighty name. You're on heaven's economy. That's a word that needs to be with you and travel with you wherever you go. I'm an ambassador, and as a result, I'm on heaven's economy. So how do you activate heaven's economy all the time? You hear words from the Holy Ghost. He gives you instructions one after another, gives you instructions on what to say and what to do, what seeds to sow, what actions to take. And I'm going to encourage you tonight to step out in faith and take that action because the Holy Ghost, I bet you there's people that are watching right now that as I was dealing with that subject, that last point, on how you're an ambassador, part of heaven's economy, and that your needs, that's why that Paul was able to be was able to say to the church, he said, you were the only ones that helped me in a time of crisis, and now my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. What was Paul talking about? He was talking about what comes to the people of God who activate the covenant of God. You're on heaven's economy. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches. Why did he say that to the Philippian church? Because they had already sown seed. Thank you for sowing, Mendy. God bless you. And so I I guarantee you that when I was teaching on that and preaching on that, there were people the Lord was already speaking to you about what you were to sow tonight and give as you're activating heaven's economy and you refuse to be left behind to look like the rest of the world. It will not be our story in Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. It won't be. And so right now, hear what the Holy Spirit is instructing you to do and uh, take that step of faith and sow that seed by faith. There's multiple ways you can do it. You can put hashtag donate in the comments like Mendy did, or you can go to miracleword.com, easiest way to sow, right on the website, miracleword.com, and you can click the donate button or the give button or the partner button, and you can become a monthly partner with us. If you'd like to use an app to sow, we receive uh, offering or your seeds through Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, uh, the information's on the screen. And those of you that would like to use the very old and extremely slow method of sending a check via the snail mail, you can do that by writing a check to Miracle Word Ministries. And our mailing address is on the footer of every page of our website, P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. And uh, you can easily do that. It may be easily easy for you to send it, but depending on the efficacy, if I can use that word, of the United States Postal Service. We'll see what happens. By the way, as, as you're giving, don't forget, Miracle Word Quarterly, Spring Edition, it's out. It is out. People are already getting it. It's going to come to your house soon if you've already been a part of this. If you haven't, by the way, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash live, and right there on that page, you can fill out a form and uh, if you've not done it, listen, if you've already done it and just haven't received your magazine yet, don't do it again. Please don't do it again because we have your information is coming to you. Once again, United States Postal Service, it's coming to you. It's in the mail. Uh, but if you haven't done it, take a minute to do it. And uh, this, you'll love this. This is a great, great edition. Probably the best one we've ever put out. And uh, let me show you this as well. If you want to send us a text message, I put this on the back. Send me a text. You guys change hands. Send me a text. I want to hear from you guys via text message. And uh, you can always go to miracleword.com forward slash text. Listen to this testimony. I don't know if Jennifer or Chad is on tonight. Jennifer, are you on? Albrin? Or Chad? Either one of you? I got your testimony in the magazine. And we're standing with you guys. We love you. I was in North Carolina and sent out a text to everybody just asking you to send me prayer requests because I, I pray for you by name. And uh, I felt my spirit to just pray for everybody that was connected with us that night. And we spent about two hours praying that night. And uh, we probably had 400 prayer requests come back in within a matter of 50 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes. About 400 prayer requests came in. And uh, so we just started praying for people. And we took about the next two hours to pray for people. And, uh, and Jennifer popped on and asked for prayer for her husband. And uh, she wrote us in. This is what she wrote. She said, I want to give God all the praise for what he did in the lot. Uh, I wrote this part. I want to give God all the praise for what he did in the lives of Chad and Jennifer. Uh, it's a powerful testimony. Uh, I sent out a text asking if anybody needed prayer. And she said, pray for my husband who has cancerous tumors uh, that were about to be surgically removed. We began to pray immediately, stood with the family. And two days later, got a message from her that said, we received exactly what we asked for. My husband was to have the tumors removed today, but before they could operate, the doctors discovered the tumors were already gone. And the doctor was shocked. Only Jesus can heal cancer and dissolve tumors, and we give him all of the praise. And I want to just say that we want to stay in touch with you guys and pray for you by name. 
And that's why we do that. And also to quickly give you updates about what's happening with the ministry. Email, in my opinion, is about dead. I mean, I know it'll always be around because people need it for certain things. But like, I can't prioritize my email. I'm looking at my phone. I have 58,000 unread emails. 58,000. I don't know when I'll have time to go through those. And so email is kind of dying in one sense. Of course, social media is taken over. But even better than that is we can stay connected via text message. And so sign up at miracleword.com forward slash text. By the way, for everybody that's sewing this month, uh, $85 or more, we're sending you A.A. Allen's book, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power, one of the best books that you can get your hands on. It This message transformed his ministry into a miracle ministry and many others after him. This was revelation that Christ gave him uh, in his prayer closet during a time of fasting and prayer and transformed his ministry into a miracle ministry. We're sending that to you for everybody that sows $85 or more. And by the way, since we're coming to the end of the month, if you've not done this yet, go to miracleword.com on the screen. You'll see it forward slash offer. Make sure we have your mailing address uh, and everything so that we can send this to you. Let us know how you sowed your seed because some of them don't give us your mailing address. So we ask you for it. And that way we can, we can get you this book as soon as possible. So just make sure that you do that because we're coming to the end of the month, by the way. And then, of course, you know that uh, everybody that's sewing this month, $1,000 or more, we're sending you along with that book. This is one of my favorite new tools. This is the Life Application Study Bible filled with notes. And this is in genuine leather in the New Living Translation. I'm sending that to you and your family to say we love you, appreciate you. We'll send you both those things to say thanks so much for being a part of what God's doing in this ministry. Carolyn and I both love you. By the way, ladies, if you missed... Carolyn's latest podcast that just dropped on Friday. Don't miss it. Go check it out. It will build your faith, especially right now. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. And if you've not um, become a part of the Nonstop Mom private Facebook group, she just went live, I think, what, yesterday uh, in the in the private group and uh, literally just builds your faith as often as possible. Amen. Amen. I am going to pray. Julie, is that in is that in Kentucky or where, where are you at right now? Got a storm coming through. Going to pray for you. Thank you guys for standing with us. Clay, your, your testimony stirred me up, man. Clay got healed. And uh, not only did he have Corona, had that Rona, but uh, also double pneumonia. God touched him. God healed him. Powerful, man. I love it. I appreciate all you guys very much. And uh, before we go, we're going to play my favorite song one more time. And uh, I'll be back again tomorrow night, 7 o'clock p.m., Spirit of Faith Sessions. I love you all so much. Have a powerful, wonderful, dynamic, exciting, raucous, if I can use that word, night. And uh, I'll see you again uh, tomorrow night at 7. I love you. Have a great rest. Talk to you soon.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.